Mark 2, 1 through 12. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up, take your mat, and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. And just in case you didn't get the sentiment today, happy Mother's Day. You know, to all of you who have mothers, strong women, or nurturing figures in your life that you celebrate this day. And I want to acknowledge that Mother's Day is a difficult day for many. Perhaps because we often romanticize mothers on this day and not all mothers have nurtured their children. For some, it's because their mother is gone. We have that in our family. This is our first Mother's Day without my mother-in-law, Janet. And for those whose mothers are gone, maybe it's the grief, recent or long, past that is too fresh. For others, it's a difficult day because children have not been born to them, even when it was their deepest want. Maybe there are other reasons I've not named. And so today we honor whatever it is that you bring to this space. You know, I really thought I was ready to become a mother. And I learned quickly that I had no idea what it was really like. I became a mother on August 7th, 1999, when I married my husband Jimbo, and it was kind of one of those just-add-water things. Poof! I was an instant mother. 
Congratulations, it's a boy, Jeremy aged eight, and a girl, Miranda aged nine. And they wanted a mother so badly, having been neglected, abused, and abandoned by their birth mother. They had ended up in the custody of their father, and while my husband Jimbo is amazing in lots of ways, I know you're watching online, Jim, you're amazing. But let's just say that Miranda still tells stories of how Jim would like brush her hair right out of her head when he was putting it into a ponytail and tell her not to cry about it. They wanted a more gentle touch, can I just say. I learned quickly how challenging it was to try to contain two tornadoes that took the shape of children's bodies. And I made plenty of mistakes and continue to. When they were little, I yelled. I said things out of frustration that I never meant. I can remember several times dropping them off at school and then going back like an hour later, pulling them out of their classrooms just to hug, hug them, kiss their cheeks, and just apologize for what a hellish morning we had had together. Mornings are hard. It was not easy. And it sure did not get any easier as they headed into their teenage years. Those are stories for another time. I'm proud to say that they are both in their 30s now, both in successful relationships with children of their own. They are both loving, devoted parents, either because of me or in spite of me. And they give me a lot of grace for the ways that I am a less than perfect mom. What does it mean to be a mother? Aside from the definitions that connect women and children through birth or relationship, to mother also means to bring up with care and affection or to look after kindly and protectively. I guess with those definitions, anyone can be a mother. Now, my favorite parts of scripture are the stories, and our story today might very well be one of my most favorite. The idea of a group of people loving their friends so much that they would make such a spectacle inspires me. And there are so many little details that I cherish about this story that Brad read for us this morning. One is that it was a group of friends. We need to remember that in the ancient Jewish world, to be sick or to have a disability was a signal that either you or your parents had sinned greatly. Why else would your legs not work unless someone did something to deserve that? Such an illness would make you an outcast, even cast out of your own family. 
You would live on the margins, literally on the edges of town or some other place where people didn't have to see you or be bothered by you. So the friends that surrounded this paralytic man and the story for Mark had chosen to be his friend. They had chosen that. They were not bound by blood, birth, or relation, but by care and compassion. Maybe some of them were outcasts themselves, finding a bond in their loneliness. Or maybe some of them were not outcasts. But because they valued this person, put their own status in the community on the line to befriend him. Another detail that I love about the story is one that we don't actually know. The scripture says that there was a group of people and a paralytic man was carried by four of them. Sometimes we think about the story just being about just those four friends, but it only took four to carry him. There were others surrounding as well, with the four holding on to the map, presumably one on each corner. And they all came along to ensure that Jesus gave this man an audience. But my favorite detail is that when the community of friends saw that the house was so crowded they couldn't even get up to the door, they didn't give up. Instead, they got creative. They went to the roof, and they started destroying this house's roof so that they could lower the man to Jesus' feet. They risked anger, you know, of the homeowner, and trouble, perhaps by the law, by destroying someone's house in order to give their friends a chance. They put themselves in danger for the sake of this person for whom they cared so deeply. They did not give up. And if all of those actions are not mothering, I'm not sure what is. To love and care for someone so much that you put their needs and safety in front of your own. In the book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places by Shannon Martin, the book that Reverend Jamie Lee and I are using for this particular sermon series, the author tells of a story of some visitors to her neighborhood church. And she says that her church is a very small congregation, maybe like 40 people, so visitors cannot just slip in and out unnoticed. Additionally, she says of the gentleman of the couple, Bobby's arms were a landscape of rage, scrawls and sketches merging into a canvas of emotional retreat. Three Gothic letters were inscribed across his throat. The ink was the same blue-black that I have come to identify as the DIY sort that pumps through the veins of jails and prisons. As it turned out, they were just new to the neighborhood. 
living in a house around the corner. They hadn't been invited by anyone. But after a decade of struggle and life on the run, they simply found themselves pulled toward the hope of the church. The next Sunday, when they defied all logic and returned to the scene of my coffee room accosting, she had kind of gone and (laughs) talked to them the first time, I took it as a sign to raise the stakes, inviting them to dinner later that evening. This marked the first time I had ever invited strangers into my home. And at the time, the thought of it made me jittery. An hour before they were set to arrive, if I could have clawed back in time and retracted the offer hand to heart, I would have. But the author says that she went forward with the dinner anyway, and against all odds, Lisa and Bobby showed up risking the hospitality of strangers that were very unlike them. And together they all found a connection and friendship that has endured ups and downs, heartbreak and courage, sadness and hope. Still, Shannon Martin, the author, was surprised when walking out of church on a Sunday that happened to be Mother's Day with her three children that didn't seem to care about the forced celebration, Lisa slipped a Mother's Day card into her hand. She writes, as far as tangible presents go, I had only received one that day. This one from my sister in the complexities of life, a woman who has known the two-sided coin of motherhood. Though material gifts aren't the currency of love or friendship, I know what that gift cost her. Playing it cool is not an option when it comes to accepting frivolous gratitude from people caught in hard places. So what does it mean to mother? I suppose it means carrying one another through hard times, through good times, and everything in between. I suppose it's caring for someone to the point of putting their needs before your own. Maybe it's just being a friend. It's loving others the way that God would have us love, with care and affection, kindness and protection, and a whole lot of patience. So today, celebrate those who have mothered you, whoever they are. And tomorrow, find a new place where God's mothering love can carry someone, perhaps to health, perhaps to wholeness, perhaps to peace. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.